When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your moves. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another exciting show. Today we have Esther Felica, Ph.D. She's an award-winning independent filmmaker who has had over 25 years of experience in a wide variety of media productions, including documentaries, oral history, educational videos, television programming, multimedia, web content, music videos, and feature films. As an activist filmmaker, her work focuses on indigenous knowledge, social justice, community empowerment, local cultures, health, and the environment. Her work gives a voice to those outside mainstream media and aims to counter the dominant values, information on worldviews portrayed in commercial media. Her feature-length documentary, Jamaica for Sale, has won audience awards at the Africa World Documentary Film Festival and her educational Masa God Fish Kian Don, that's our little dialect there, is currently featured in the Black History, Green History Film Series, October 17th at the British Museum. In addition to filmmaking, Fuega, who is Jamaican, is a published writer, linguist, historian, and educator. My co-host, as usual, is Chris Daly, the owner of Yard Genius website. He is a blogger at Jamaicans.com, which focuses on positive development of Jamaica. Chris, take it away. Thank you so much, Denise, and welcome, um, Esther. It's great to have you this evening. It's really great to be with, with you, Chris. Let me just say that the name is, in Jamaica it's pronounced Figaro, and in the Spanish-speaking world it's pronounced Figueroa. Okay. Figueroa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're certainly Jamaican. I hear that accent. Tell us a little about your Jamaican roots. Where do you hail from in Jamaica? Okay. Um... I am the youngest of seven children of Dorothy Alexander, who was originally from Antigua Bay, and John Figueroa, originally of Kingston. I grew up at the University of the West Indies Mona campus because my father was professor of education there. And so, um, though I live in town, I still consider the University of West Indies <clears throat> excuse me, campus as my home. Okay, great. So you, you certainly grew up there. Um, and that's where you got your abiding passion for Jamaica? Yes, well, so Jamaica, I think Jamaica is a place that really sinks inside very deeply. Um, 
you know, in many ways it's a very difficult place, but in many ways it's such a vibrant, creative, of course, beautiful place. And for me, I had to leave Jamaica, not by my own choice, when I was 13. Um, and in leaving Jamaica, that was one of the most traumatic things that has ever happened to me. And I know that as um, diasporic people, you understand um, the whole thing of displacement. Um, you know, I'm in love with Jamaica, and to have to leave my home was very difficult. So um, I always carried Jamaica with me, that, that, that passion for the place. And when I was able to go home, I wanted very much to, to, um, to contribute and to try and um, do whatever I can do for Jamaica because I, I love it so much. What your folks had migrated away, that's why you ended up in... Well, yes, what happened was um, my father got a position in Puerto Rico um, when I was only 13, and since I was the youngest, I wasn't old enough to be on my own, so we moved oh. to Puerto Rico, and then from there I moved to the U.S. and other places. So, um, you know, I always went home, you know, we always go home to visit, but it was... Um, um, it wasn't until four years ago that I was able to finally go home to live again. All right. Well, in our audience, we have high school and college kids, and I know they're also curious about the career path of a filmmaker. How did you come about um, taking this path for your career vocation? Well, you know, it's very funny. It was serendipity because I'm not trained as a filmmaker at all. I have a degree in history. I have um, a master's in uh, East Asian uh, languages and literatures. Chinese was my major, and I have a Ph.D. in linguistics. So I wasn't trained as a filmmaker at all. I fell into it um, um, just by chance, and um, it became the thing that I did with my life. And so what I would say to um, those that would be interested in filmmaking um, in whatever um, type of genre they want to do is that, um, yes, you can go to school and learn it, but you can also learn it just by doing it. Um, if you have stories that you want to tell, if you want to use film as a communication um, way of communicating your ideas, or if you want to use it as an activism tool, or even if you want to make money, if that's your goal, um, you can learn by actually um, volunteering or um, trying to work on a film production or just starting to do your own. And nowadays, the equipment is so inexpensive compared to what it was when I started out. When I started out, in a, you know, an editing system cost $140,000 U.S. Um, a camera cost $70,000 U.S. Now you can have an editing system if you have a computer. You know, you can have a camera for you know, $1,000. So um, nowadays, you can certainly produce media yourself. And the key is, do you have a strong point of view? Do you have a story you want to tell? Do you care passionately about something? And then, um, can you write? Can you organize? Um, do you have a visual sense? Um, you know, can you act if you want to do um, narrative features? There, there's so many opportunities in the business that I encourage, I very much encourage um, anyone to participate. And especially in Jamaica, um, currently we really don't have a strong tradition of documentary filmmaking. And so I really encourage especially younger Jamaicans to be bold and go out there and, and tell stories that need to be told. That's wonderful. Thank you for your affirmation of that career path. I know... Um, 
the resources for this project didn't just fall out of the sky. How did you go about, you know, um, getting the resources to do such a magnificent piece of work? Well, thank you. Um, actually, the resources came from myself primarily and from the Jamaica Environment Trust, my partner. Um, usually a feature-length film, the film, um, the first version was 92 minutes. I've edited it down to 84 minutes. would normally take about five years to make and about 250000 U.S. depending. Um, we made it in a year and with um, less than 30000 U.S. Um, basically, the resources were my own time and talent and knowledge and the equipment of my two media companies, Vagabond Media and Junior Royal Productions, and of Jamaica Environment Trust. Um, Diana McCauley, who is a wonderful person, she's the, um, the ED of that. So her staff and resources, um, we partnered together. Um, and then we got two sets of grants. We got um, Louis Slezen and Leslie Rice, who are two New Yorkers who have um, a home in Montego Bay um, and are very worried about what's going on in Jamaica. Um, they wanted to support the Jamaica Environment Trust because um, JET does such great work. And um, so they donated um, uh, two sets of donations to JET. And um, earlier, um, the U.S. Embassy, the um, public affairs section, um, that is also impressed with the efforts that JET makes, especially their um, environmental education in the schools program, gave JET also a small grant, and that also went towards the film. Before we had any cash, basically what would happen is um, whenever staff members of JET were going to the North Coast to testify or to have meetings or whatever, I would jump in the car with them, and as we drove along, I would jump out and videotape um, what was going on, and then I'd jump back in the car. That was the initial um, way it was shot. Mm. Maybe for folks who are not um, familiar with JET, the Jamaican Environmental Trust, could you describe who they are and what their mission's, uh, mission is? Sure. Well, I'm not with JET, but I, I certainly um, encourage your audience to go to their website, which is jamintrust.org, and find out. Um, but JET is a nonprofit, environmental nonprofit. It's been around for about 18, 19 years, and um, they do education, environmental education. Um, they do advocacy, um, you know, try to see that, it, um, that they're good environmental laws and that the laws are enforced. Um, and, um, you know, they basically advocate for the environment in Jamaica. And Dana McCauley has, you know, um, she's been on, she's an ongoing um, personality. She's on TV, radio. Um, she used to have a column in the Gleaner. And um, people in Jamaica know pretty, you know, know her very well because she's the person who will, will stand up and say the truth about what's going on. Okay. So this film, it covers the history of the tourist industry in particular since independence and the policies that have been put in place that has contributed to the hyper-growth in condos and other huge um, hotel structures with the subsequent dire consequence to the environment. What was the trigger and point to, um, for this uh, hyper-growth in, uh, in these structures? And what was the, is there a special event that triggered that said this needs to be um, investigated further for you? 
Sure. Well, first let me just say that in the film we actually start with the beginning of tourism, which officially started in 1891 with what was called the Grand Exhibition. Um, and from 1891 to now, um, tourism has unfortunately followed the same sort of patterns, which is high indebtedness, um, a very subsidized industry, one that does not really reach um, or benefit a great number of people, and one that um, consistently, because it's a very cyclical um, and vulnerable industry, has, has failures from the very start. But in terms of the new boom, that is the boom that's been happening over the last six years or so, where we see for the first time in Jamaica, for example, the Palmyra, which is a, a condo. We've never had um, an 18-foot high um, massive structure like that is. Um, it looks like, you know, you're in Fort Lauderdale. Or some of the extraordinarily large, all-inclusive new Spanish hotels that have gone up. Um, what happened was... Um, Basically, things were um, very flat economically, and um, there wasn't much going on. Um, and so at the, the government at that time um, went looking for uh, opportunities for development, and they thought that this would be a quick way to kind of show um, and to have jobs and things like that. So what we have now are these massive resorts which are actually not only empty, but some of them have begun to close even though they've been open for less than two years and have laid off workers, um, which has happened in the case of Ibero Star, and all of them have been um, laying off workers anyway. Um, so what we have is the ruination of um, you know, large parts, particularly from Negril through the North Coast, um, and then we have um, the fact that the, the tourists are not coming, um, even with very discounted rates for these hotels, because we just have too many rooms and not enough tourists coming. Um, so, you know, we, we have this, this dire situation where we've destroyed so much, but we've gotten so little in return. Hmm. I, I, it's, I was just curious, the media in Jamaica, are they curious enough or are they independent enough that they did not examine such a critical issue? Well, the media in Jamaica is not independent at all. Um, um, you know, the Gleaners, um, you know, a, a very conservative institution, and the Observer is owned by Butch Stewart, who is one of the, uh, you know, a main player in the tourist industry. Um, so there's also the defamation laws in Jamaica make it very, very difficult for anyone to stand up and name anyone by name or to say anything because they will get sued. Journalists in Jamaica get sued constantly. There have been a number of um, individuals who are opinion um, writers, such as John Maxwell or people like Mujibaruka who have their own um, radio shows and now he has his own TV show on the environment. They speak up constantly um, about what's going on. But in terms of the mainstream media, um, what you have is a kind of repeating verbatim of um, government propaganda, such as GIS press releases, or the, ho the, the, ho the tourist industry itself. Um, you know, they just print verbatim whatever they are sent. And so it's a very positive rah, rah, rah kind of thing about tourism, and you don't get the in-depth investigative um, reporting that we really, really need. 
So, and in uh, fact, when the when the film came out, the media wouldn't touch it. Wow, so the the media wouldn't touch it. So, have the government um, had any response to the documentary? Well, not directly. Um, indirectly, there was an attempt to stop it from being aired on TV, um, and um, luckily, um, TVJ was very adamant that um, you know would air it. So we're very grateful to them. They've aired it several times. Um, they basically reacted through a kind of silence, um, but at the same time, they there have been statements. Um, the, the prime minister, for example, when he was opening um, the Sea Wind, the construction to the Sea Wind um, Resort, which is in the boat boon, which is a fish sanctuary. That's in the film, and I have some updated foot footage of that, which is just shocking. This is a Montego Bay, one of our most important fish sanctuaries, and the part of the, the marine um, sanctuary is having a huge hotel being built right there, and the government is supportive of this. And um, the prime minister spoke out very strongly against environmentalists, saying that we were against development and wanted to take Jamaica back to the time of the Taino. And he said, if they, if you know, if the hotels had um, you know, um, had any problems, it was just, you know, a, 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 mis, a, a mistake or a, a problem in communication or something. In other words, he was forgiving any any kind of the awful breaches, environmental and um, worker breaches that the hotels go on with and basically saying that environmentalists were terrorists. Mm, were terrorists, wow. You, you're going out to the to the consumer of this product of tourism. You've traveled abroad. You've shown the film and lectured there. Um, what have been the response and the reaction to the film in 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 the states and in Europe? Well, the, the reaction's been you know very good. Um, um, you know, a lot of people. I showed the film at UCLA just um, a few days ago, and one of the reactions which I hear frequently is that this is happening all over the place. Um, there was a student there who had just been in um, Zanzibar and talked about the same thing happening in Africa on the Indian Ocean side. And when I showed it in Holland, many of the Dutch um, from the Caribbean talked about the same thing happening in the Dutch Caribbean. Um, there's a activist in Grenada who's shown the film over and over and over, trying to stop um, some of the development that's happening there. So, um, you know, often the response is very much that, um, you know, they see the same thing happening in other parts of the world. Um, the diaspora, the Jamaican diaspora, when they see the film, they're often quite upset, you know, because they don't really realize that this, this is going on. And they get quite upset as to why, you know, this isn't being stopped and, you know, what, what, what are Jamaicans doing, what is the government doing, and ultimately what can they do. So there's always, you know, a, a response of um, concern, sometimes anger, sometimes um, despair, unfortunately, but always also um, a sense of, you know, why is this going on, why is it being allowed to go on, and what can we do to stop it? Mm. The, the, the government is in, is in a thorny spot of sort. Um, yeah, to make a documentary, it's, it's relatively easy given some of the circumstances they're faced with, um, and some are sympathetic to maybe their position. Correct. They have some in the variable stand. They have yeah, unemployment. 
um, social impact of that? How about going about developing the assets of the country? I, is anyone looking at the alternative solution and how we can manage um, both growth in a sustainable manner? Well, you know, the government has, um, in the film we say that, um, you know, there are a plethora of, of, of studies, you know, studies but of reports, but none are ever implemented. And the government itself, you know, um, has a sustainable tourism plan that they completely went against. In other words, um, this has been studied for decades, and the recommendations of the government's very own studies, not to mention, um, you know, academic studies and environmental studies and other, but the government itself, their own agencies, for example, recommended against um, this kind of development, recommended against the placement of, for example, where the Fiesta Hotel is and where Bahia is. Um, said, don't build the denuded the mountain, and and when there was a big rain, it washed down Fern Gully into you know our one of our primary tourist towns and completely covered it in mud and filth, you know. So um, you know, you, if if you want to have tourism, you cannot ignore both social needs and environmental needs because it will come back to haunt you through violence, through criminality, and through the degradation of the very land that you're trying to, um, you know, keep beautiful so that people will want to come to your to, to visit your country. So we've talked about some of the issues. What are some of the things that are actionable that you think folks in Jamaica and folks within the diaspora can be doing to su- support a sustainable Jamaican solution? Sure. Um, well, the issues are very, very deep-seated. They're historical. They go way back, and they're very ingrained. They're very, very hard to change. But they're things that we can think about. On an individual level, um, the individual can take responsibility for their own life and try and consume less to be re- more responsible about their choices and their behaviors. You know, um, we have an awful problem in Jamaica with garbage, um, you know, um, and... We have a strange relationship. I mean, you can go to the beach and it's just filled with plastic bottles and things like that. We need, um, so individuals need to be responsible and, um, and, and change their behaviors. But on a, a, a governmental um, level or a, a larger level, you know, we need a change of policy. Um, we need alternative energy. We consume huge amounts of imported um, fossil fuels. Um, we need recycling. Um, we need enforcement of the existing laws, such as you know pollution, sewage, those sorts of things. Um, and um, we need to encourage um, things that the you know local manufacturing. So we're not importing everything. We need to encourage uh, organic agriculture and other forms of agriculture. Um, you know, we need to stop giving incentives for people to buy huge gas-guzzling cars. So. On an individual level, we need to change our patterns of behavior, how we eat, how we live, how we consume. On the larger scale level of the government policy and, um, you know, businesses, private sector and all of that, they need to change their behavior so that we're not constantly importing things that we cannot recycle, that we cannot afford, um, so that, you know, people talk about sustainability, but sustainability can only happen if we make very, very, very big changes. 
Do you think if the Jamaican diaspora were making um, more investments in their country, they, if there was a, I've heard talk about the Jamaican bond, that yes. would help have a, a, a more um, heartfelt uh, response to and, and change of behavior? Well, you know, lots of diaspora people do try and make a difference in, in, in different ways, and they often come back to Jamaica to try and set up businesses or whatnot and get quite frustrated. I've heard of many um, examples of that. Um, the bond issue is actually a problematic issue. The Jamaican government is dependent on these very high-interest bonds, um, which actually exasperate the debt. Um, so it's really a bad thing. Um, what would be good was if people in the diaspora who have, you know, um, such, you know, are educated and have um, talent and energy and whatnot, if if there were, um, you know, energy solutions such as, um, you know, turning, you know, trash in, you know, trash into energy or, you know, solar, um, you know, um, as well as just, you know, um, sustainable green jobs. You know, if if you think of, for example, at the moment, the Nature Conservancy um, is a huge um, American um, environmental corporation that um, has projects around the world. They are taking um, the um, current Obama economic stimulus, and instead of um, using that money to do construction and, you know, blanket everything over with concrete, they have projects in places like Florida and Hawaii and whatnot, which are, for example, um, you know, taking algae off of the coral, which is, you know, stifling the coral. We have that huge problem in Jamaica. Um, they're employing, you know, thousands of people to do work that, you know, people need to actually improve the environment. So, you know, this notion that the only jobs that we can have are disruptive to the environment is just not true. There are many, many, many jobs that would give ordinary Jamaicans, you know, who are illiterate or who are just used to physical labor who are, you know, who, or who, you know, are not in the technological age, um, actual real work, you know, rewarding work. And then, you know, for Jamaicans who are, you know, do have the educational understanding, the literacy rates and whatnot, we can have, you know, jobs that are in you know, IT or, or design, music, all those sorts of things. So I think we need to diversify the economy. We need to invest in human and social capital. And I think the diaspora could have a great role in that. My warning to the diaspora, though, is don't come to Jamaica and try and make it like South Florida. Don't try and turn it into, um, you know, a place flooded with malls and fast food and all those kinds of things. Let Jamaica be Jamaica. Let Jamaica be unique. Uh, and, you know, um, don't come back and impose, you know, North American values or British values, European values or whatever on Jamaica. Jamaica be Jamaica, but let's invest in it together. Well said. I want to thank you, Esther, for your insight and your genius, and we look forward for you leading and continue to lead and share with us um, an alternative means now to make Jamaica great. Thank you so much. And, and thank before you for the opportunity. Well, but Esther, before you go, um, for those of you who would like to learn more about your outstanding work, you should visit jamaicaforsale.net, and that will tell you people 
what, where the film is being aired or how they would have access to it? Well, um, I do need to um, update the site, so I'll be doing that soon. Um, the film is currently available for sale only in Jamaica because of um, rights issues. Those rights issues have re-edited the film so that all the rights are now cleared. And um, probably in a month or two, it'll be ready for international distribution at film festivals, educational institutions, and on television. So um, they can currently go to JamaicaForSale.net, and they'll see clips of the film. They'll see reviews. They'll see, um, you know, information about the film. Um, they'll be linked to um, Jamaica Environment Trust. And I'll be updating um, the website. There'll be curriculum Eventually, there will be curriculum for teachers, and we will have information soon on how people will be able to purchase it. At this point, um, how, you know, they can just keep in touch, and they can make donations to Jamaica Environment Trust. Oh, okay. And then to learn about more about what Chris is doing, visit yardgenius.com or, or visit his blog at jamaicans.com. Very interesting. He's um, updated regularly to learn more about Jamaican diaspora, the radio show, TV show, and any other thing that the diaspora would be interested in, I encourage you to visit JamaicanDiaspora.com. It has been a pleasure, Esther, and we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. Imagine a country where jobs are plentiful and families can get ahead. A country where veterans are treated with dignity and respect. A country so powerful, terrorism is in retreat. Our families safe. A country run by a leader whose career was built on success. A leader who isn't beholden to special interests, but to the people themselves. Make America great again. Donald Trump for president. I'm Donald Trump, and I approve this message.